Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. It is called Trust Me, I'm a Doctor and I absolutely love being on here. It is one of my favorite things to do is to connect with people, to share my experiences and hopefully to be helping somebody out there with what I've already gone through in my journey. Um, I am a practicing veterinarian out of Phoenix, Arizona. I absolutely love the ability to grow business in different facets outside of being a doctor. And honestly, what medicine has taught me, the life experiences, and how really it's just honestly become a launching pad for so many other things. So welcome to Trust Me, I'm a Doctor, and we cannot wait to get this started. Hey everyone, happy morning. I can't wait to go into what we're about to dive into today. Um, I wanted to specifically record an episode uh, for those that are looking to apply to med school or veterinary school. And and um, I've had quite a few of what uh, COVID has been doing for a lot of you as far as causing you guys to pivot quite a bit. And um, what I mean by that, you know, it comes down to the fact that you, you know, you're dealing with a lot of different scenarios um, than maybe I dealt with when I was applying to veterinary school. Uh, You know, you're not even sure now if you're in veterinary school, you're not even sure when you're going to take your licensing exam because COVID has pushed a lot of things back. Um, But I want to encourage you guys, you know, like it is something where you really, you are, you're just pivoting because trust me, while in practicing medicine, you're going to have to pivot a lot. (laughs) So take advantage of this opportunity and really just, you know, figure out, hey, there's got to be, you know, there's another way um, as far as like diving through a problem and figuring that out. Um, and, you know, just knowing that no need to stress, you know, there's thousands of, of veterinary students right now that are needing to take their licensing exam as well. You know, so if you're stuck in that boat, I just want to give you guys encouragement that um, it's going to be okay. I promise. Uh, and trust me, there are, there will be harder scenarios that you will have to deal with um, in your veterinary career. But what I wanted to drive home today too is um, just for a lot of you guys that are even in the midst of um, applying to veterinary school. And it's been actually really cool because on social media, I've been uh, been able to connect with quite a few individuals that are in that process of applying or maybe they're young veterinary students already. And for those of you guys who don't know, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a veterinarian or you have no idea (laughs) how um, attending uh, a college of veterinary medicine works, is, um, you know, this is a complete, this is a professional school. So it's, it's at the same level as, um, you know, as going to law school, going to medical school, uh, you know, so any of the professional schools that really require that advanced learning, this is, this is one of those areas. So for example, right, you, most programs require, you know, you go to undergraduate. So you go to four years of undergraduate, a lot of the times separate from you, from even going to veterinary, veterinary medical school, essentially. Um, and so, you know, sometimes just to become a doctor of veterinary medicine, for some people, it can take just even eight, between eight to 10 years, again, within their um, collegiate academic career. And so a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people think it's like this combined college program, but it's extremely separate, again, because you're becoming a doctor of veterinary medicine. Um, You know, it's a medical license to practice medicine. And um, it's a lot of work. And so for a lot of you guys that, um, again, kind of back to that group of people that, you know, if you're applying or you're looking to apply, maybe in your first year of vet school, 
Um, I, I remember doing that and I remember going through that process and thinking <laughs> there is so much I have to do, right? Um, a personal statement, um, getting your letters of recommendation together and getting everything prepped and finding the right people to write your letter of recommendation, you know, all this experience that you have to get. Um, in order to even apply, you know, and they're talking right, uh, they're talking right now as far as if they're going to um, do away with like GRE scores and things like that, um, as far as the application process. But one of the things that I wanted to encourage you guys with was, um, you know, everybody's journey is different. And so I remember going through the application process and and I remember applying because I actually applied twice. And the first time I applied, um, I was on, I, I got put on the wait list. So um, I was in that list of 10 people, basically, that if people who were accepted, accepted to a different school or something, you know, then my name would get bumped up on the list. Um, and, and so I didn't get in because, uh, you know, enough people ended up accepting the offers. And um, I, at first I was like, dang, you know, is this, is this something then that I'm really supposed to do? Is this something that uh, I'm purpose to do? Or am I just like pushing this, you know, as like my agenda? Um, I'm a very faith-based person. And so for me, I said, you know, is this the purpose that God has for me? And um, at the end of the day, you know, I had to really say like, God, I feel like you've lined up so many opportunities for me. And in in prepping me for a career or <laughs> a portion of a career in veterinary medicine. Um, and, you know, just at the end of the day, is it, you know, so I feel like I had been prepped so much for it. And so I said, okay, God, like, if this isn't what you want me to do, just show me. Cause I had other, I have other interests. Like I even thought about becoming a UN translator. Um, cause I love languages or, um, a career in politics. Cause I really enjoy, um, legislation and whatnot. So I thought about those things and then I ended up, um, I ended up going to grad school in between learning more in an area that I thought would be helpful to, uh, animal patients in the future. So I got a master's in, uh, nutrition and then I ended up uh, applying again. And when I applied again, I was like, all right, well, you know, two times is, is the, is the limit for me. You know, if I'm, if I'm really not meant to be in this profession, then, um, then I won't be. And so I applied again and I did a lot of prep work. I improved my GRE score. Um, I think I honestly had taken it two or three times <laughs> because I just wanted to get the highest score I could get because I'm not a great test taker. So for me, I really had to push myself to get the prep work done and really try and improve my score in that way, right? Because you can't really change your GPA. Once your GPA is done, it's done. But what you can change are you know, I could change my test score, things that I could take multiple times and they could show the improvement in that. Um, and so that's kind of a great life lesson too, for those of you guys that are applying, you know, to veterinary school, it comes down to, you know, learn, learn to pivot and learn to understand and understand like where you can make the changes. So if you don't get in the first time, Hey, where can I improve things? You know? Um, and cause everyone's going to come in likely with some degree of experience, um, you know, cause these are people who apply to veterinary school, aren't just Bob and Karen off the street. You know, it's people who've, um, done a lot of academic work, people who likely put in the hours working at a veterinary hospital, um, and people who've studied a lot as far as obviously, again, taking like potentially like the GRE. Um, but yeah, so I ended up doing much better on the, the, when I taken the test the, the last time before I applied and, um, 
you know, it was really cool to see because I had made such a change in my application as far as I'd gotten different letters of recommendation. Um, I had done a lot of things that I felt like would have really improved my application. And uh, I ended up being ranked number seven in, <laughs> in um, as far as the overall list for the College of Veterinary Medicine that I got accepted to, uh, which was the University of Florida. So I was actually ranked number seven out of the entire um, out of the entire pool of people that had um, that had applied and gotten accepted. And so I just was like, that is such a cool praise to me, you know, going from being on a wait list, <laughs> you know, past the bottom essentially, um, to now being in like the top ten. And to me, seven is a very significant number. So I really took that to heart. Um, and it was just a really interesting experience. And, you know, some would say like, oh, dang, well, because it was, it was interesting. I saw a lot of people the first time I applied, I was obviously still an undergrad in my last year. And I'd seen a lot of people got in. Obviously, they were excited. And then I saw those other people who didn't get in. And some of them were absolutely crushed. They were devastated. And a lot of them, because one, you know, either maybe sometimes they built it up so much because their family built it up or they themselves built it up because they felt the pressure. Because trust me, when you're in a rigorous pre-medical program (laughs) to get into whether it's, um, you know, uh, to become a human doctor or to whether it's become a veterinarian, um, it's a rigorous program. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you have, it's been a lot of pressure. So when you have a lot of academic pressure and sometimes even family pressure, you know, from outside individuals. So when it doesn't happen, you're like, what do I do? Uh, and I think that's hard. It's hard for a lot of people to deal with. It's hard for a lot of people to understand, you know, where, where do I go next? And so I want to encourage you guys. I hope every single person that listens to this podcast, if you're applying, I hope you get in. Um, but even more so, I, I pray that you get in in the right timing. And I say that too, because even when I think about the classmates that I ended up joining as far as the, the, the year of the class that I ended up joining, um, I love them. I love them to pieces. And I found some of my best friends through vet school And I just realized, you know, I actually, so with the class above me that I would have been in had I gotten in the first time, um, they, they were cool people, but I don't really think they were my people. And so it was really neat just to see, I believe, you know, the way that it worked out was really the way that it should. And so whether this is your first, second or third time, and you really feel like this is where you want to be with your life, um, and you're applying, you know, just know that the timing will be the right timing when you're supposed to uh, be in that space, when you're supposed to be pursuing that academic career. And, um, and I really believe that I really do. So no matter what your results are, um, I just want to encourage you that there is always another side. (laughs) You still have a beautiful life. Um, we are very lucky and blessed, uh, as far as being Americans and being um, in the situation that we are. Yes, COVID is happening and there's a lot of things happening around us, but we have so much opportunity at our fingertips. We truly do. And so I want everyone just to realize that, that at the end of the day, you know, if you feel like everything's crashing in and like it's just crumbling down and you don't know what to do, just know that there's, there's still more out there that you can take advantage of. There's still a brighter side to maybe this dreary day that you're feeling 
um, it, it's the, the moment's only temporary. And I hope that I can encourage you guys to see that, that if it's a frustrating time, if it's a painful time, it's truly only temporary. Um, and there's a whole separate podcast as far as <laughs> how to deal with that emotionally. But, um, I wanted to encourage you guys with that. And I want to give you guys a few tips too. So, um, in the, in the process of applying, obviously, again, you have to get three on average, about three letters of recommendation. Uh, and so what I found to be really most helpful was, you know, you obviously have a deadline, um, as far as when those should be in, when you apply through VEMCAS, which is, um, the, the veterinary application for veterinary medical school. And so I would really recommend, um, you know, be in contact with those people that obviously, as soon as you have those people in your mind, reach out to them and, I would, and you know, say, Hey, Dr. So-and-so, or Hey, Mr. Mrs. So-and-so, you know, um, I would love and be honored for you to write a letter of recommendation for me, um, in my application to, uh, to become a veterinarian. Uh, and, I would really appreciate your support in that. Is this something you would like to be a part of? Uh, Because sometimes I've actually known people (laughs) where they've asked people to write a letter of recommendation. And while that clinician or that mentor um, is might be influential, uh, sometimes, you know, people are a little bit delusional and as far as, um, maybe they didn't really have that closeness of relationship or that positive relationship that, um, that the student thinks that they did. And I've had, uh, certain people actually say, um, you know what, um, I do appreciate the extend, uh, extending that, that invite to write your letter of recommendation, but I don't feel like I would be doing you, um, a positive, a positive service, uh, to be writing a letter of recommendation for you. I actually feel like I'd probably be doing you a disservice, um, because they were being honest, you know, like, Hey, and me writing my letter, I don't really think I'm going to be helpful to you. Um, because a lot of people want to be honest, right. And they should be. And so maybe if you don't really have their greatest work ethic, um, then certain people will say, I don't really think I should be writing you a letter. And they might give you some brutal honesty, you know, um, because you aren't going to be able to see those letters. Sometimes people will send those letters to you after the application process because they are sealed and sent um, an official folder. So all that to say, as soon as you've come up with the list of people for letters of recommendation, reach out to them and say, hey, is this something you'd be willing to do? And um, kind of timeline wise, what I tend to do is or what I did at the moment is I reached out to my letters of recommendation, those that agreed to it, I reach out to them and say, hey, um, the application's due in a couple months. I'm just giving you a heads up. I'll reach out in about a month uh, in case I haven't heard back from you as far as the, the actual letter itself, right? Because we all know life gets busy and when you start to become a doctor, you'll realize <laughs> you just have so many things going on. So you need someone to really remind you, hey, I've got this thing going on. Um, I've got uh, you know, you promised to write me a letter. Are you still able to do that? Um, and so that's really important. So just being friendly and kind and, and being a friendly reminder for that, um, professor or for that, uh, professional that's going to be writing you the letter. So, um, I hope that's helpful. That's just one tip. Um, but, uh, I'd love to certainly share some more. So if this is a podcast that you found helpful, um, go ahead and drop a comment, go ahead and like this, leave a review, and I'd be happy to do some more along those lines. So, Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful day and uh, again, sending all the encouragement and love to all of you guys that are listening.